Hello, and welcome to this episode of Coaching Secrets, produced by the People Space and brought to you in association with 1080's executive coaching app Flow. The Flow app connects coaches to coaches and guides them through the coaching process. Coaches have the ability to access educational courses, development materials, discussion forums, and much more, all of which can be done on their mobile and desktop. Today's program is part of 1080's Executive Coaching Uncovered podcast series, and I'm delighted to be talking about leading remotely with Liz Osland, Executive Coach and Facilitator for 1080. Liz started out in program and partnership manager roles in the university and charity sectors, but a personal, powerful coaching session led her to discovering a passion to transfer knowledge, and her career as a coach and trainer was born. Since then, she's been head of training, responsible for more than 650 global trainers, and now works with clients internationally. Welcome, Liz. So today we're talking about leading remotely, a very topical subject, and one it seems that many organisations are struggling with. I've read quite a lot of research that shows many employees seem to desire some form of remote or hybrid work, um, and it's clearly a new skill leaders need, being able to manage remotely. Uh, I thought to set some context to begin with, could we just start by me asking you, what's your own view on whether hybrid and remote work's here to stay? Yeah, I think it's really interesting at the moment, isn't there? This big push to return to the office, and you know the research and the statistics are really new um, because we're we're learning and, and gathering this data and information as we go along. Um, but I know recently Gallup did a big, big study uh, in America. I think it's like 170,000 companies, um, and that was only March this year, 2022. Um, and what they found was that 42% are currently working in a hybrid model, with 39 percent of those exclusively remotely and 19 percent fully on site um, and what they think will change moving forward into the futures is a, an increase in that hybrid working moving more to something like 53 percent um, and actually the preference only just though is six out of ten would prefer to be working in some form of um, hybrid working I think it's important to notice what, you know, we use this term remote working, hybrid working. And I think we also have to accept that not all industries, not all organisations can work in this model. And I've seen recently there's a new sort of term, which is remote capable. Um, and I think that's really interesting in the sense of the context of what we're talking, that for those organisations and the industries that they're working in, um, if it is remote capable, then then what are they doing to to address that? Talking about research, one piece of research I saw was really interesting because I think there's this idea that, you know, remote working or hybrid working appeals to like, you know, digital nomads. But uh, I just received some research from um, Fiverr, the, the online sort of gig working platform and Lonely Planet. Uh, they were talking about anywhere workers. So the people who think you, you, you take it that step further, you can actually work remotely anywhere from a beach or on your holiday in a villa, what have you. Um, and what was really interesting was um, about half of them were married. 70% were parents. So, you know, it's showing that this is really going along a widespread group of people. Um, and, and again, the industries, you wouldn't be surprised to see people like, you know, marketing, digital marketing, IT, but there was also architecture and engineering and a whole range of things. So I think maybe there's some old mindsets in place with organizations. They think just certain people 
just certain industries um, and they're falling back to that old way of doing it you know it's an easy thing to do isn't it we're used to this do you think that they're you know they're not really considering their employees they're not really considering employee needs which is so important today if you're going to retain staff yeah I agree and I think um, as I said interesting times and what will unfold we don't actually know yet but I think there is a real mix at the moment. There's those that have gone 100%. We have to go back to the old ways. We've got these big footprints in the sense of offices that we need to satisfy and get everybody back. And it's it's almost like they've completely forgotten or wiped out what has happened in the last two years. Then you've got other companies who have just rewritten everything, ditched the rule book, got rid of their, um, you know, their offices and things like that. And as you mentioned, these, you know, digital nomads, as long as you get the work done, do it where you want. And then there's this big group in the middle that I think is just not quite sure what to do. They know that going back to the complete old ways isn't necessarily the right thing to do, uh, but still trying to work out, well, what is this hybrid uh, remote working? And and I agree. I think those that have gone to the full on, um, you know, let's go back to the office. Personally, I think that is just such a shame. And I think it's also a big slap in the face to people who may have done their best work in the last two years and not acknowledging actually how resilient they've been, how productive they've been, uh, how much they've been able to cope with in the in the face of adversity and homeschooling and, you know, not being able to leave the house and all those sort of things. And I think we have to take stock and acknowledge that and say, well, that, you know, shouldn't be lost either. Um, and just because that was the way we did things two and a half years ago um, doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's the right thing and the right way to go back to. Um, so I think, you know, there's a, a space for all of us to question and challenge those assumptions of what worked well in the past, um, you know, what can we do around that and keep it and amplify it, but also acknowledge, well, that didn't work well, both in the sense of being in the office and also those elements of remote working as well. There are pros and cons for, for all of it. And I think now is a fantastic opportunity to, to rewrite those rules and revisit both both face-to-face and remote, what's working well and what isn't. I think one of the key issues here is is knowing why you need to go to a location what's the sort of the clarity what's the clarity of that reason what's the purpose behind it yeah and the last thing we want is saying people have to come into the office because we're working in that old model of presenteeism you know you're only doing your good and your best work if I can visibly see you in the office um and I think gosh that one just we we need to move away from that and, and you're quite right it's it um you know when do we need to come into the office when is the good time to work remotely and what that is going to look like almost on an individual basis, let alone team by team basis, will look vastly different because it depends on, as you said, if they're client facing some days, but maybe not another um, confidentiality risk, all those sort of things and whether they need to collaborate. Um but, you know, this element of what well, you've got to be in the office because we, we pay X amount of rent per month um, almost to save face, I think, is just shoot yourself in the foot in the sense of getting the best work out of people and their most effective, efficient and productive work. And it comes back to what you're saying there. It's it's the why piece. Um, you know, anything that's read, any anything to do with Simon Sinek will be familiar with this. But it, it's truly understanding your why. The why are we working remotely? And the why are we working in the office? One gets the sense sometimes that it might be the uh, the sort of executive team and the, the leaders who are 
wanting to return back to the office because perhaps that's one what they've always known but two where they have that visibility and they can sort of show off and um you know Mm. do you feel that they are doing enough to challenge those old ways of working I I know we can't talk for everyone here so I'm maybe being a bit (laughs) bit mean to sort of put people in groups here but you know do you think leaders and managers are almost connecting their own sense of worth to being that visible person in the office um um or do we need to see them you know should they be challenging more or are they stepping up to the plate from your own experience <laughs> do you know it's a real interesting one because i think a lot of people that i'm working with in terms of clients who are leaders are possibly even the opposite and um, they're wanting more remote working more hybrid working but the organizational structure as a whole isn't offering that um, i know for those who are wanting to be back in the office and encouraging their team to do so um, often they've got a lot of their own personal reasons but yet a lot of it is to do with that visibility and climbing the ladder and you know we know that being in the the office is that element of the water cooler moments where you know you you do have those opportunities to bounce ideas around and just chance meetings and catch-ups with people that we know we just don't get remotely so there are lots of good reasons to be in the office but yeah i think you know the the leaders absolutely have um a really critical role at the moment um, in the sense of asking the right questions. Um, You know, there's an element of leaders needing to be vulnerable. Uh, And again, if anybody's read or come across any of her podcast videos, Brené Brown talks a lot about leading with vulnerability um, and daring greatly. Um, And I think this is an ideal opportunity for leaders to step up to the plate and challenge those assumptions, be brave in the questions that they're asking. Um, You know, there is that element of you don't get if you don't ask. Um, We all have that responsibility to take in questioning the why. Why are we doing it this way? And it doesn't have to be in an obstructive way. It's in in a curious, you know, wanting to make things better way. Why are we doing it this way? Um, And I think those who are, let's get back to the office. You know, we need to do the nine to five, Monday to Friday. I think, you know, there's an element of the dinosaur in them, you know, and they just they just absolutely need to move on um, and be a little bit more vulnerable with not only where they are at but also where their team are at Um, and I think that with that comes an ability to need to lead with empathy Um, just because that's your preference doesn't mean that's the individuals and teams that you're working with and open up those conversations about how where when why um, you know do you do your best work and to see how that can fit Um, and also leading with purpose coming back to that why. So Liz, when you're speaking to people now about leading remotely, what are the biggest challenges they're finding? What's the most difficult thing for leaders when it comes to this remote leading? Yeah, there's a couple of themes that keep coming across uh, my clients at the moment, and that is protecting productive time. You know, this mix between being in the office, working at home and and certain things happening here and certain things happening over there. But that isn't necessarily the best time to do it. So um, if I give an example of, you know, we're being encouraged that when we're in the office, that's the collaboration space. That's the, the meetings and meeting with people. Yet what I'm hearing is a lot of people are doing a long commute to go into the office to then sit on a Teams meeting. 
you know like why is nobody questioning that saying that's not a good use of anybody's time I could have stayed at home to do that so there is an element of needing to plan a lot better um, yourself and your team's workload and um, the quiet time that you need for somebody might actually be in the office not home depending on their um, setup for others the home time might be the really quiet head down detailed work I'm going to keep that for the days I'm working at home. So there is this across the board conversation around uh, protected, protected, productive um, time. Um, But another thing is connectivity. It's really hard to bring everybody together and have those social moments. You know, not all companies are still there for a a summer party or um, celebration parties where there always is no excuse other than this is a nice thing to do to come together. So those more team building elements, I think people are struggling with as to what feels cringeworthy and awkward that we're going to do a quiz online just because we need everybody together over making it of value. Um, Personally, I don't know what the answer to that is in terms of particularly global organisations keeping everybody connected on that social level. I do wonder whether we might be looking back at our times in offices and on on site with um, rose tinted glasses. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, Britain in particular has had long had problems with productivity and, and various other issues like that. And and I'm not sure we got it right in the first place anyway. But it's really interesting, that collaboration piece, isn't it? Because if you think about it, as you said, you're coming in, you might be tired after the commute. But also collaboration is quite a hard thing to get moving because, you know, you don't always feel the most creative as you're saying choosing those times saying now you're in your creative collaborative zone get in it (laughs) it's not easy is it no no and we know that actually you come up with some of your best ideas Mm. in your most relaxed state um so forcing people on a wednesday because you're together you've got to do your brainstorming is just you know it's counterintuitive it's not going to work um so yeah and i think also yeah that 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 presenteeism um Another issue is that connectivity piece around making a call and almost like having team norms around the ways that you're working. So if I can give you an example, you know, you might be doing a meeting and you've got five people sitting in the boardroom who are all dialing in off the one computer. You've got a couple of people dotted around the building sitting at their desk dialing in and then you've got some other people from home. It doesn't work, uh, but companies still do it um, because the people at home feel left out. The people sitting at their own desk feel left out. Technology doesn't work when you've got five people all trying to talk on, on the one screen and you normally only see like half their faces. And it goes back to that, you know, what's the role of the leader? Well, the role of the leader is to call these things out and say, look, we're trying this, but it, it's just not working. So if we're having a meeting, it's either everybody is in face to face or everybody is on single screens remotely, because that's how we're going to get the most effect out of this meeting. Leadership, it's moving away from that visibility, as we said, and much more into the facilitation, the really listening and understanding um, elements. So, you know, it brings me nicely to what what, what would your top tips and techniques be for leaders um, to help them lead remotely? You know, if you had to say four or five, what would, what would they be? Yeah, I think that the the first one is um, just understanding what leadership skills and qualities are um, and working out what works for you and amplifying them. You've just got to exaggerate all the best bits of your leadership skills 
because you have got the mix of face-to-face and remote, uh, some people resisting the change, not wanting to get on board, others can't wait, others trying to rewrite the rules. So, you know, yeah, that element of listening, leading with empathy, leading with purpose is magnifying and amplifying any of those skills that you have. And if that's not even on your radar, then upskilling yourself in what does that actually mean in, in the sense of your emotional intelligence. I think the second one as well is, is getting a really good handle on knowing your team, um, personal level, but particularly at work. So what I mean by knowing your team is what are their strengths? So you've employed them for that role. You know they've got the qualifications and can do things, but what are their sort of natural behavioural strengths? You know, they're good communicators. Um, are they good at working alone? What, what are their preferences around skills and strengths? And on top of that, um, they're motivators. Now, you may or may not know this, um, and you can simply, there's a very simple model called the five whys. Lots of people will be familiar with this. Um, Why do you get out of bed in the morning? So apart from going for a wee and having a cup of tea, you know, why do you get out of bed in the morning? And you keep going and you ask somebody that five times, and it's real, like, wow, this is my purpose. This is my motivator. This is why I come out of bed every morning to work for this company with this team. And when you know that matched with strengths, you can really start shaping your team to get the best out of them on an emotional level and productivity level um, to play to those strengths and motivators. So again, you may be aware, but it might be a revisit exercise. You may have had these conversations a couple of years ago the world and their lives have changed. Their priorities might change. So finding out what they are. I think the third one as well is invest in tech. Um, if you're a technophobe, I, you know, get somebody else to do it for you. But you've got to find out. Luckily, we're in this world where there is so much technology available to us. But that in itself can like feel overwhelming and you don't know where to go for what. Um, so get help. Uh, if, if you're not a techie person, um, ask the right questions again. It might not be available to you for your company for lots of different reasons, the budget, security, whatever it is. But get a really good handle on what is available for you to be interactive. You know, for example, um, you can have great collaboration spaces where you can do project management, visual boards, mind mapping. AO is a great tool for that. It's all in one space. But there's lots of other things available as well. Or if you are trying to do that connectivity pieces, you know, there's quizzes and things that you can do online. Uh, lots of it's free and lots of it actually isn't that expensive anymore. But that is a key in the, the hybrid model. It's, you know, a space and a reason for everybody to connect online, regardless of where they are. And I think finally, the fourth piece of advice, a uh, bit of an oxymoron, but in terms of mindset, it's absolutely supporting yourself and your team to stay in a proactive mindset. So proactive meaning future focused, you know, a positive growth mindset where you're looking ahead rather than being reactive, which is just the culture of busyness and a very quick uh, response that might not be the best one. So it is this keeping an eye on the future. But I also think a skill that we don't uh, factor in time for, particularly at work, do a lot of my clients around coaching for themselves, but not in a workspace with teams, um, is reflective practice. You know, what worked well? What didn't work well? What will we do differently next time? 
And those three very simple questions just around the hybrid working and hybrid model alone, if you regularly check in with your team and for yourself, you know, you're not waiting months then to change something and say, do you know what those meetings when we're one at home, one in the office, one six months down the line saying that doesn't work for me, you know, on a weekly basis, you can say, right, well, we need to revisit and move forward. I, I think the reflective practice, perhaps something people do forget to do. And uh, as you said, is, is at the heart of making this a success. So without um, divulging any anything um, uh, you can't, can, can you think of any clients you think are, are, are tackling this issue well at the moment? And, you know, what, what do you think is the secret source in that? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is mindset. A lot of it is just from the top being able to let go. Um, and say, yeah, that was what working in the past, but we'll accept now we've moved on. And, and, and I think it is also that vulnerability piece. This is where we're at at the moment, but things may change. And it's hard for somebody at the top to say that, like in a community, you know, community message to the whole company that we're here now, it might change again. So I know, again, clients, friends and family, the, the companies that they're working in that seem to have got it right, there is that element of vulnerability. Uh, it's regular check-ins with the teams as well, that, that that pulse moment of, is this working, is this working, almost like the reflective practice, and if not, then addressing it quite quickly. Um, but most people I know who are happy, which, as we know, happiness plays a massive impact in terms of um, productivity, um, seem to have a nice blend and seem to have some level of autonomy even over the days that they're in the office it's not this Tuesday Wednesday Thursday you know it, it is the purpose it's the reason well next week I'm going to go in on Friday because my dispersed team are all going to come together. So if we think about your own coaching clients and what they're really struggling with is it that they are finding it difficult to make that mindset shift or is it that you know just the way their organization set up it's sort of the, the barriers are getting in the way or the tech's not good enough is it something there yeah it's a little bit of both and I think to be honest I didn't think I would like working at home as much as I did through the pandemic and now I'm reluctant to give some of that up I want some training and coaching online I want some you know face to face um, and I think some leaders themselves is that element where if you're still working for a company and there's a bit of a rub for you um, there's that element of holding the mirror up um, and starting with yourself in the sense of what am I projecting to my team? Um, so, you know, if I'm not feeling this is right, if this isn't going to me, well, how am I projecting that to my team? Because then I can't lead with purpose. I can't lead with empathy. I'm almost, you know, a bit of a, a, a charade. So, Liz, what do you think the role of HR is in all of this? Good question. <laughs> um, support. Um, but I think also pushing the boundaries, asking those difficult questions um, and being brave to ask them. Um, but a lot of I don't mean consultation, the sense of everybody has to always agree, but that, that, that pulse check of where are people at? Because I also think it's changing quite regularly. Um, I've got some people still who are like, oh, they're saying I need to come back into the office. I really, really don't want to. Um, and resisting it. Others cannot wait. They, they're, they're done. They're overworking at home. Um, and it, it's checking in and feeling where is the lay of the land for our teams um, and then how can we support them with what they want. Um, and for those who are really resisting it, um, what do we need to do to get them on board? Because, as we said, the great resignation, great reset, you know, retaining talent. 
um, the retaining talent pieces, if you know we still want them and they're an integral part of the team, then we need to do what we uh, can to accommodate as well. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be fair. Um, but I think really clear policies um, around that transition and return to the office from an HR perspective are really important as well. I do know of some people who are still um, feeling quite vulnerable um, in terms of COVID and health and safety of going back into the office and things like that. So we have to be mindful that because of different circumstances, we're not all over it. We're not all mass free and just cracking on with it. You know, there are elements where people are concerned still. This is all a bit experimental at the moment. Just what you're trying out now doesn't mean that's going to be the end the end game in all of this. It's definitely coming back to what you said, you know, finding out what's working, what isn't, reflecting on it. And, and so we call this, uh, this yeah. uh, series Coaching Secrets. So um, in your career as a coach, if there's just one secret you could impart from, from learning about this area and, and the people you're talking to that you think would make an immediate difference to someone who needs to now lead remotely, what would that one secret be? Yeah, I think I gave it away a moment ago in that conversation, but I think it's you've got to start with you. You really, really do. You've got to have those honest questions to yourself, bit of navel gazing, hold the mirror up and ask yourself honestly, what do you want as a leader in this new world? Um, very simple techniques you can use is, is the 5W1H, so who, what, where, when, why and how, and just sit down. And all those assumptions that you have around this space and ways of working, have a look what those questions are under each of those headers. So, you know, HR, who can support me in the new ways of working? Find out the answer, maybe HR, maybe my tech department, because they can help me with the tech. You know, what do I want out of hybrid working? Personally, I want 50-50 question mark how can I make that happen so I think my secret would be sit down ask those questions of yourself because it's only when you make the time to find out what do I personally want out of hybrid working that is not to say that is the same for my team but then I am at least clear on what I want and then you can do a check on how am I projecting this to the team so what I've learned by this exercise is actually I'm resisting this I don't like the way that the company is going in the sense of shaping their hybrid model, but I'm not questioning it. So therefore, the realisation is a reflective practice bit is that, oh, well, I'm projecting this to my team. So no wonder they don't want to come on board as well. And it's almost like you either need to go find a coach or coach yourself. And well, what am I going to do with that? Um, and again, we don't make time to do it. We very rarely take time to, to sit down and ask ourselves those questions of what is my purpose? What is the why? Um, and what do I want to do about it? So, yeah, honest mirror holding up. Um, and if you're all positive about it and can see that the model's right, that's great because um, you're likely to support and get your team on board. Um, but an acceptance that every single person in their situation is unique. Thank you, Liz. And if you like what you're hearing, a quick reminder, you can get in touch with Liz and other coaches via 1080's executive coaching app Flow. This connects coaches to coaches and guides them through the coaching process, as well as providing resources and other development materials to support your coaching. For more information, check out 1080's website at 1080.co.uk. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.